This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. In this podcast, we'll take a look at why the first disciples may have had such a hard time in recognizing the risen Jesus, and why we may have a hard time as well. I doubt you've heard many Easter sermons, beginning with a Buddhist story, (laughs) but there's a great Buddhist line that I, I love that says, if you see the Buddha, kill him. And the idea behind that, so I've been taught, is if you see the Buddha, really what you see is what you think the Buddha should be. It's not the real Buddha. It's just your idea of what the Buddha should be. And so kill it, because it'll get in the way of the real Buddha. And I think that's not far afield from what... uh, Sherry read to us in this morning's gospel from the gospel passage from St. John chapter 20, where Mary comes to see Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. And so I want to play with that for a moment and say whatever image of Jesus you or I may have may get in the way of the real resurrected Jesus, the Christ. And I I don't know if you saw the movie Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell. It's a comedy. He's a NASCAR driver. And you know what NASCAR drivers are like, you know, down in the South. And Will Ferrell is a a driver named Ricky Bobby. And I think it's Thanksgiving or Christmas meal. And they're sitting around the table ready to have this big feast. And it's Ricky Bobby's house, so he wants to pray the blessing. And he says, I'm going to pray to baby Jesus. And some of the other, why, what are you doing? He says, oh, I like baby Jesus the best. Of all the Jesuses, baby Jesus is my favorite. I'm praying to baby, it's my house, I'm praying to baby Jesus. So that's who Ricky Bobby prayed to that morning for uh, the blessing of the meal. And I think, you know, by and large, a lot of us are, you know, it sounds silly, but guilty of the same thing. Do we want the conquering Jesus that's going to knock everybody upside the head and see the world and the universe the way we do? Do we want the servant Jesus who's uh, working for justice? Do we want what our South American uh, sister and brother theologians have taught us about the liberating Jesus from the shackles of systemic racism and, and oppression that rule the world? What Jesus do we, or do we want the uh, Eastern Orthodox Jesus that is very, you know, placid and, and, and calm and, and what Jesus do we want? And I suggest that all of these Jesuses might get in the way of, of the real Jesus. Now, similarly, I, I was reading recently, you know I've shared many times, Henry Nouwen is one of my favorite writers. Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest, very famous in the last century. He taught at Notre Dame, Harvard, and Yale. He wrote 40 or 50 spiritual books. He was a sought-after spiritual guide for many, many, many people. And I was reading in one of his journals that at one point uh, he got in his life and and he started to reflect on when I pray, 
When I say God, who do I mean? And when I pray, to whom do I pray? Now here's a guy that's written 40 or 50 books on spirituality, taught at Notre Dame, Harvard, and Yale for crying out loud. And in his own life, he's saying, when I pray, who am I praying to? What do I think? I mean by the word God. And if he doesn't know, <laughs> where does that leave the rest of us? So he took these questions courageously to his own spiritual director. You know, so how do you do? You're, you're a recognized genius in a field and you come and say, I really have no idea what it is I'm talking about. And his spiritual director looked at him and said, these are great questions. And they're going to actually lead you to the most important question. Who are you that's praying? And so this is what Henry Nouwen was wrestling with at one point in his life. Who do I pray to? When I say Jesus, when I say God, what do, what do I think? Who am I praying to? And who am I that's doing the praying? These are profound questions that I think we can all relate to. There's a, a theologian also of the last century, a man named Martin Buber, who uh, wrote a very famous book called I Thou. He was a theologian and a philosopher. And, and one of Buber's main treatises is that the only way you and I can know ourselves is by being in relation to others. And for Buber, the most significant other the thou, in the I thou, is the divine being we call God. So we see ourselves in relation to this divine being as one of the ways we come to know each other. And Buber has this incredible assertion he makes in this very, very famous book called I Thou, which is really hard to read unless you're a philosopher. It's really hard to read. But he makes this assertion. He says, you need God in order to be. And further, God needs you. So we need God in order to understand who we are. And also, Buber says, God needs us. Now, if that sounds wild or crazy, try and make sense out of Good Friday. <laughs> if you don't think God needs us, then why did all of that unfold the way it did? Why did Jesus come? If we believe he is divine, as the theologians teach us, why did he suffer so dramatically as he did on the Friday we call good? Because at some level, this divine other we call God desires, needs, wants relationship with us. And I think, you know, there's something in us as we, we wrestle with who we are and why we are that brings us to a place like this on a Sunday morning, a church. And I read a great line recently by the poet Christian Wyman. He says, we come to a place like this, a church, because many of us feel that burn of being that drives us out of ourselves, that insistent persistent gravity of the ghost called God. There's something in us that 
There's got to be more to life. What is this all about? So these were the things I was thinking about as I was listening to this text this week that I knew I'd be speaking about. And to give you some context on the story, it's Easter Sunday morning, and of all the disciples, in it, of all those that busted off and said, Jesus, we're with you, we're, we'll follow you no matter what, the only one that comes on Sunday morning is Mary of Magdala. And in the other Gospels, there are a couple of other women with her, but it's the women that are the faithful ones, and they even want to come and care for the dead body of this one they had loved so deeply. So they come, Mary comes to the tomb, the stones rolled away, and she goes off to tell Jesus' dear friends, Peter and John, it's believed John, the beloved disciple, uh, and, and so they listen to what she has to say and they have to go check it out for themselves. So they come run to the tomb, they see the stone is rolled away, they see the linen cloths are put away, and unlike Lazarus, who was still bound in the the linen cloths we read a couple of weeks ago, these are folded up neatly. <laughs> Jesus didn't help, need help getting unbound. And so uh, they see the, and they don't know what's going on. So in confusion, they leave. Mary stays. It's not, you know, unlike history, men were the first ones to crap out and the women stay faithful to see what's going on. And then Mary goes in and sees two angels. How, for crying out loud, could the Peter and John miss the two angels sitting right there they didn't see it, but men that never notice everything. And Mary sees them, and she's looking for Jesus and comes out, and there is Jesus. But she doesn't recognize Jesus. She's not the Jesus. He's not the Jesus in the form that she recognized, what she had come to know. It was somehow different. And so she's crying, and he says, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And that's the question that has pierced my heart this week as I've messed with this story. Who am I looking for? Who are you looking for? Why do we come here? What are we looking for? Like Mary on Easter Sunday morning. And as I tried to shovel through all the stuff in my life to get to the core of what it is I'm looking for, I made it through the, well, I'd like to be rich, and I'd like to be uh, considered wise and somewhat famous, but not so famous that a lot of people bug me, but famous enough that people would respect me and that I think I'm really smart and wise and even, well, you know, you could throw good looking in. I wouldn't mind that. So what is it I'm looking for? So I made it through, I excavated all that crap to get down to the real. What is it I'm looking for? And I realized what I'm looking for is help in integrating those fragments of my life from my past where I've hurt people or where I have been less than or where I made mistakes or where I feel ashamed to, to pull that together in some way that, that has some healing to it and meaning. And I'm also looking for Someone to just love me. Realizing how selfish I can be and how unconscious I can be in treating people and how I push my agenda ahead of others. Someone that sees all that stuff in me 
that wants, the wants, the wants, and just loves me anyway. And someone that will be with me in the future. We're so afraid of the future. What's going to happen? How will I know what to do? What kind of health care will I need? How will I know what decisions to make? What's happening on the planet? How should I live? What should... I, 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 I want help with someone that will accept me and love me just as me, the scared little boy that's in here, and will guide me wisely into the future. That's what, that's what I'm looking for. And truth be told, I think that's what Mary was looking for, and, and many of us are looking for. That's what I want. And then Jesus responds. She, he says, who are you looking for? And she says, just tell me where they've laid it, because no one has ever loved me that way, the way he did. And then Jesus says, Mary. And I don't think Jesus could say Mary the way anybody else ever could. And she recognizes, it's the one. Whoever you are, you're that one, that one. And she grabs hold of him. <laughs> she won't let him go. They took him away before, but not. To... And he's saying, let go, let go, let go. Because whatever you think I am will get in the way of what I really am. So loosen up a little bit. I'm with you. And I'm going to go return to the source of all that is. So go tell my brothers and my sisters, I'm not gone. I'm alive. And so people ask, you know, the great theologian, did Jesus really bodily rise on Easter Sunday morning? I don't know. I wasn't there. But I do know the history records that whatever happened that morning and in the subsequent days following, Hundreds of people had an experience with something that so liberated them from the inside that they withstood horrendous torture and even death rather than recant what they had experienced. And those are the shoulders you and I stand on several thousand years later. Now I think as a result of the things I'm sharing with you, for me, one of the great tragedies in the history of Christianity is that some of our ancestors have taken this news that he is alive, he's not dead anymore, and they've taken it with force to other parts of the world. And they have tried to bring Jesus to the, to the pagans or to the uncivilized, or to the savage. And they've tried to beat people over the head into submission. Whereas I think the truth is that Jesus is alive everywhere. And as the great poet Gerald Manley Hopkins wrote, Christ plays in 10,000 places. And one of the great privileges for me as a hospice chaplain was I was liberated from trying to bring Jesus to anybody and seriously, for 17 years, visiting 3,000 people that died, all I tried to do was go find Jesus where he was already alive. Now maybe people didn't call him that name or maybe they didn't use religious language. Who cares? What matters is that there is life and energy and this, the spirit 
that energized the living body of Jesus is alive now, and I want to find that wherever I can. Whatever we call it, who cares? As long as we find it. And so for me, life is about finding the risen Christ everywhere I go, whether people use that language or not, and to look for that and to gravitate towards that. So I suggest that would be a good project for us to look for the risen Christ wherever he or she may appear to you in whatever form and not allow whatever preconceived ideas we have of Jesus so blind us and so narrow our focus that we miss the Jesus right before us. That's what Easter means for me. Go find Jesus everywhere, everywhere. And let him love you and share that love with as many people as you can.